Hello and welcome to Shades and Layers with Kutluanus Kusana Ritchie. This is episode 7 of season 2 and continuing with the theme of wellness and well-being, today we focus on a growing trend in the food industry, the personal chef. My guest today is Rebecca Morgan, better known as Chef Bella B, and she uses the tagline, the ultimate dining experience. She has her own spice and sauce range and creates memorable dining experiences for her clients in Colorado, where she lives, grows food for her family, and mothers her young son. Chef Bella B broke out on her own after many years of working in restaurants. She put an ad on one of the online listing sites and started securing clients about eight years ago. And the rest, as they say, is history. Let's get into her story. First, she takes us to the beginning of her entrepreneurial journey, then talks about food trends and how important it is to know what you're putting into your body. So let's start with your work. How would you describe what you do? Okay, Chef Bella B. Um, I am a private slash personal chef. My tagline is actually the ultimate dining experience. Mm -hmm. So I like to create the ultimate dining experience with unique dinner parties, Mm -hmm. um, unique and themed dinner parties. I come in your home and I fix you dinner. Mm. I create an ambiance and kind of let y'all take it from there. Okay. Birthday parties, maybe just like a girl's, a girl's weekend. I've done bachelor parties. I've done fantasy football parties, anniversaries. Mm. And how did you get into this business? So I started my business about almost three years ago. I quit my job. Mm -hmm. I was a line cook and I just was tired of being looked over in the kitchen. And I just realized that I'm never going to be able to run a kitchen the way I want to run a kitchen unless Mm -hmm. it's my own. What gave you the confidence to say, okay, this is something that I can do and why not? My mom, which is funny because, you know, my mom is one of those moms that are like, don't don't quit plan A without having plan B, C, D, and F. And she, but on this one, she was just like, if you know that you can do it, we feel like it's something that you know that you can make a living off of and succeed, then do it. And how did you secure your first clients? Social media. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, social media between social media and um, the website Thumbtack. So you just put an ad out. And so I just put what I do in my services, I guess, however people search, mm-hmm. I, I will come up. And that was interesting because as a private chef, there's many ways that you could go. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go as a weekly private chef where you come in and you cook weekly for a family. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be a daily, you know, where you're doing meal prep. And I found that I exuded more pizzazz when I did dinner parties. Oh, okay. When I got to like really set you up and that's from... The dinner spread, the place settings, like I really lit up when I did stuff like that. Mm. So um, you're the ultimate host. Yeah. So that's, and that's where, yeah, the ultimate dining experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. And what would you say your approach to food is? You know, I hire you for this dinner party. What, what can I expect? Uh, we can just expect delicious, <laughs> flavorful. Um, you know, every dinner party is different, you know, and my venues are custom made to the client. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, it just depends on how we're feeling that week. What kind of cuisine are you looking for? You know, I've done Mediterranean. I've done um, Mexican cuisine. Mm-hmm. I've done pretty much everything. Southern. Like, it just depends what they're mm-hmm. looking for. And so, which that is, um, lights me up too, because then I can really put my own twist on it. So who are your clients? Um, my clients have varied, but my clients now are out-of-towners. So travelers that travel here to Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And um, they call me the Airbnb chef. Ah. So because my a lot of my clientele are travelers, they rent Airbnbs mm-hmm. and then they usually hire me. So are your services expensive? Um. I guess in my eyes as a chef, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but maybe yes. Um, but stepping into maybe consumers, it could look that way. Mm-hmm. But I think if you were to really break it down, you would see that I'm actually, I'm just as pricey as if you were to go out to a restaurant. Right. I think it weighs out. But that is something that I struggled with for a very long time was my pricing. Mm -hmm. Um, I got told a lot that I was pricing too low Mm -hmm. for what I do. But, you know, when you're starting out, you just want the business. Not that I really. um, Yes, of course, the money is um, important. But for me, it was like, ooh, I kind of just want the business because, ooh, I get to try out this place setting. Ooh, I got to try out this recipe. Ooh, I got to try out this layout, um, the content. You know, I wanted to build my content, but I had to really, you know, I really had to realize that what I do, I'm really good at what I do. And Mm. it's just me. I'm a one man band right now. Oh, right. Okay. So I do. I have many hats right Mm. now. Mm. And even when I have a event, I I wear many hats. Mm. You know, you're the host, you know, you're the prep cook, you're the server. Mm. You're the chef, you know what I mean? But then at the same time, you're the accountant, Mm. marketer, you're the website designer, you're the content builder. Like you just have many hats. So I had to realize that you also have to pay yourself when you're an entrepreneur. You can get away from that very Mm. easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go for a long time without Without paying paying yourself. yourself. Yeah, yeah. Which there's nothing wrong with reinvesting into yourself. Not at all. But you have to pay yourself. Mm. Yeah, there's a life to maintain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how have you found that balance between the joy of what you do and taking it seriously as a business? Um, you you know, you you have to take that fun hat off sometimes and you have to put the serious one on. And I think it's just discipline. I always tell myself that I won't be doing that forever. Mm -hmm. One day I'll be able to hire someone to do that so I can focus on my craft or, um, but you just discipline, mm-hmm. discipline and faith, you know, you have, you, it's hard. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Crunching numbers for people, for some people is not easy, no. but for some people it comes very easily and it, it's something that that's not that crazy, but, um, for some, I know for me, it was, it's really hard. I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the the parts of entrepreneurship that people kind of don't shed light on is that you're an ongoing student, not exactly. even of life, but you're of your business, mm-hmm. even of your brand, mm-hmm. you know, 
to constantly learning. Yeah, constantly learning. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. And things change over the years. What are some of your observations in terms of, you know, the changes maybe in taste or clientele over the past eight years that you've been on your own? I think people are more, especially now with the COVID that's happened, people are less likely to step outside mm-hmm. and go eat, mm-hmm. but they still are yearning for that restaurant setting Mm. so people are starting to dabble more into the personal chef and private chef i think they're starting to see that it's actually you don't have to be a superstar you don't have to be a elite rich or whatever to obtain these things it's very affordable so if you can eat at a restaurant you can afford to you can afford a personal chef it's just all about how you you know How about you break it down within the industry? I live in Denver, but have lived in like the South and another part of the Midwest. I mean, I would say Denver is probably one of the most health conscious states I've ever lived in. Mm. I think now the shift in the food industry has gone to more, let's be more healthy Mm -hmm. and has kind of started picking at people's brains about where their food is actually coming from. And today now you see probably more people read the back of of a food item than mm-hmm. anything. How has it affected your food sourcing over time? Just the more questions the better. Like even now when I grocery shop, I don't grocery I don't do all my grocery shopping in one store. Mm. There are there are certain stores that I like for my produce mm-hmm. and there are certain stores that I like for my meat. And then there, you know, there are other stores that I use for my perishables. I think for me, it's just been eye opening just of even small things, just knowing where your food comes from. Right. And would this be information you provide to your clients? And how would you do that? For me, it's just uh, for my clients. It's really just research. I can tell you what I believe is good quality food and where I feel like good quality food is. But at the end of the day, it all resides with you because you're the one who has to eat it. Mm -hmm. I know that people that could cooking is a chore for them. I think opening your eyes and making it more aware of like how food is its own medicine. Basically, Mm -hmm. I think that gets people into, you know, really wanting to take care of themselves and really wanting to consider where food comes from Mm. and just educate themselves. Mm. I think that's my main thing is just educate yourself. If you can Google which, you know, which housewife did this on which whatever TV show, then you can Google where Where does my food come from. from? (laughs) (laughs) That's fair enough. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. This is Shades and Layers with Guanus Kosana Ritchie. My guest today is Rebecca Morgan, Chef Bellaby, who is a personal chef based in Colorado State in the USA. What you will learn in this next part of our conversation is that curiosity will take you to greater heights. Education is a good foundation, but learning truly comes from doing. Chef Bellaby has made some mistakes along the way, but she has also taught herself many skills by experimenting. A simple one is composting at home. She also talks about her wildest and most romantic clients. What do you feed your family? 
we do eat a lot of vegetables and i think we just that's just how we grew up my mom was just a big like food pyramid person so mm. your plate cons- you know had a protein it had a starch and it had a vegetable that's okay. really the main <laughs> main <laughs> basis of our thing we didn't really drink soda growing up yeah um soda was a treat mm-hmm. so if it was friday you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was she didn't feel like cooking. That's when we got like pizza and soda mm. and stuff like that. So my mom wasn't big on that. Wasn't really big on um, sugar in the house either besides cereal. But, you know, we eat lamb, we eat shrimp, we eat chicken and various different things. But I also try to, you know, include new things. Like my mom, I introduced my mom to couscous. Mm. Like... You know, you don't always have to have white rice. Mm -hmm. There's different varieties of rices. Mm, You know, mm. there's jasmine rice. There's (laughs) body rice. There's, you know, the wild rice. Jazz it up. (laughs) You can do all these different things with different brown rice. There's just all these different things. So that's pretty much what we eat. Mm, You mm. know what I mean? So it's it's a lot of cooking. We don't really eat out, Mm. I noticed. Yeah. That's great. Because you do say that, you know, you consider food as part of healing and health. You know, healthy food gets the stigma that it's nasty, Mm. that it's tasteless. And I feel like even with a regular, even if you do eat meat, you know what I mean? Mm. There are still things that you could do to still be healthy. I mean, Mm. people eat meat and still live long lives. So (laughs) it's not... I'm not saying, you know, but it's it all all of it boils down to the sourcing of where your food comes from, because mm-hmm. just be, you know, if they're if they're feeding the, you know, these um, animals, all this, you know, processed stuff mm-hmm. and making the meat not that, you know, great um, kind of what do you feel like they're doing with the vegetables? It's mass producing. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing. The same thing that they're doing to meat, they're doing with vegetables. So at the end of the day, it's just all about, you know, researching where your stuff comes from. Yeah. And you, and yeah. you can do little things. You don't have to go cold turkey and be vegan tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can do yeah. little things. You can, you know, not use vegetable oil. And let's try avocado oil. Mm. You can start cooking with olive oil. You can start cooking with sunflower seed oil. You can, you know what I mean? There's just little things you can you know, you can switch out that iodine salt or that table salt in your cabinet and you can start using, I don't know, Himalayan salt, mm. sea salt. Mm. You know what I mean? There's just little things that you could do that could just kind of change the perspective on your food and how it tastes. Mm. You can make anything delicious. It's just all about, you know, just change your perspective. Like earth gives you everything you need. Mm. It gives you everything. Mm. Do you produce any of your own food? I have a little garden. Mm. I helped my mom start her garden. Um, so, yeah, you know, we get our tomatoes and we've gotten our melons and watermelons and zucchini. And um, I think we had bell peppers last mm. year. Mm. This year, uh, we're going to try potatoes because potatoes are pretty easy. They don't need a lot of sunlight. Um, yeah, they grow under underground. Yeah, underground anyway. So yeah. yeah, I did have an herb garden. I had basil. I had marjoram. So which is which is another thing that's fun too. You don't yeah. have to have you don't have to have like a whole farm. Mm-hmm. You 
you just start with little stuff and just learning, just the act of learning it is always good. Yeah. Learn how to, you know, learn how to grow. And then maybe, you know, if you really like it, you can grow on a bigger scale. But, you know, mm-hmm. I also we also learned how to compost, um, you know, that essential is skills. Yeah. Yeah. That is just that is something that's not I don't think it's too big in America. And so I think you know, little by little, you just teaching yourself these things. Like how, how did you learn? I actually had read this article about a black young woman who basically took the food waste from restaurants. She took the food waste and she gathered it. And then she also um, got private contracts with like, I think like the zoo or farms mm-hmm. for their manure. Mm-hmm. And she just started producing her own soil, and she called it um, black girl, black girl magic. Oh, so it was like so. I when I seen that, and I said, "Well, how do you make your own soil?" Mm. That's interesting. And then that's when I learned um, that's composting, which makes sense because when I was in culinary school, that's kind of what they do. They mm. have a company that they that they work with. So all that food scraps and stuff, it goes to actually a compost company Mm, to make mm, soil. mm. So then I was like, well, gosh, if they can do that on a big scale, I'm pretty sure you could do it. You could just do simple things at home. Mm, mm. So then I, you know, we, me and my mom, we looked it up and we just figured out what, you know, what goes in a compost and what doesn't go in a compost. And then ever since then, that's what we do. Awesome. Lovely. You mentioned culinary school. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? What did you study and where? Um, I went to Le Cordon Bleu in mm-hmm. Tucker, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I just did the basic, you know, culinary degree. Yeah. What do people learn at culinary school? You learn the basis of sauces, mm-hmm. just kind of how they start off and they call them the five mother sauces. You learn knife skills. You learn meat production. So you learn assortments of how to cut meat. They also do like a wine service and mm. a fine dining service where you learn, you know, the place settings. You learn what to pair with what. You learn mm. a lot. So it's a lot of information compacted in this amount of time. But... Um, with Le Cordon Bleu, we did all that. And then you do like a three-month um, externship or internship. Um, I went back home to Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. So I did mine in Park City, Utah. That was a cool thing about the program is because they try to show you. I think that was where you really figured out if that's kind of what you wanted to do or not. Sure. So yeah. I did that and then um, came home and I graduated. And I started working in restaurants and I've kind of done everything in a restaurant besides maybe GM, well, besides GM and executive chef, but Mm. I've pretty much done it all in Mm. a restaurant, front of the house and back of the house. Awesome. So So there's uh, always with education, school, and then there's reality. So what rules do you find that you're breaking? I would say some of these knife skills Mm -hmm. that they have you do. And then, you know, in culinary school, they kind of tell you, you know, a recipe is basically a guide. You follow the recipe step for step. But I think as you start to cook, 
And as you start to create, you start to notice that that's kind of not how it is. Step by step is not always, you're not always going to produce that same thing. So the kind of more that goes into it. So who are your role models in this industry? As far as like famous chefs, um, I don't really have those type of role models. I think I've pulled more from of chefs that I've actually worked with, like Mm -hmm. different chefs I've had as employers. There's all different walks of life in the kitchen. It's like all this knowledge and all this experience in one room. Whether Mm -hmm. it's a year of experience, whether it's 45 years of experience, it's just those have been my biggest role models are just people that I've worked with, different chefs I've had maybe as an instructor or um, as a teacher or as a co-worker. And what says, you know, the best advice you've received that you still go back to now that you're on your own? That cooking is subjective. Mm Mm-hmm. And that not everybody's always going to love what you prepare. Mm -hmm. But as long as you love it and you think it's delicious, then that's all that matters. Right. So I think I've really gone back to that actually many times in on my journey, Mm -hmm. my own. You know, there are many times where you're just like, ah, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Oh, I think that I don't know if they like it. What if they don't like it? And I always have to go back to that. Like, Rebecca, cooking is subjective. Mm. If they don't like it, they don't like it. That's okay. There are some things you don't like. That's not a reflection of you as a person. Yeah, because you're uh, being judged every time yeah. you put anything on a plate. Yeah. it's. I guess it's between, like, cooking is subjective and don't take it personally. What's the worst review you've received? I don't think it's the worst review. But I mean, something that made you pause and say, okay, that I'm never going to do again. Or, you know, all right, that's fair enough. I'll never do that again. So, I mean, I had a client to where she wanted, I think she wanted, I want to say it was like Greek things I had really never heard of before or made myself. And so I kind of, I kind of communicated that and it was just like, oh, it's it's fine no 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 you just do your your best and so when I did everything everything was just nasty oh no she said that everything was it was nothing nothing not even close to what it was supposed to be um (laughs) yes so it's like so it just made me step back and, and just be like you know for now on we're going to um we're gonna have to really like have an agreement on a menu and it has to be menu items that are reasonable for me to do because mm-hmm. I don't want to fail in that aspect. That was mm-hmm. kind of heartbreaking because I felt like I, I spent a lot of time on that. And yeah. Oh. <laughs> but hey, now you have a menu. What the- now, I have, <laughs> now I have a protocol of how I create these menus. Absolutely. Great. And what menus do you offer? So if you were to order... Um, I would customize your menu mm, mm. Um, to what to whatever your liking was. That seems to work for people because then people hire this personal chef and they can get what they want. Sure. They don't necessarily have to go off of a list or whatever. So um, that's kind of how I do my menus. What's the wildest dinner party you've created or catered? The wildest 
would have to be I did fantasy football. Oh. And I thought that was pretty great. They had me for the whole weekend. So I came in every day and I did something. Whether it was like breakfast one day, I would come in, or lunch the next day, and then they I know they ended their trip with a nice dinner. So it was just very interesting because it was a bunch of husbands mm-hmm. that had this, you know, five day weekend to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no wives, no kids. And it was just silly because you could just tell that they were dads. You know, (laughs) you just tell they were dads there. This was just, it was fun for them to be able to like, you know, pop open a beer and, you know, if they wanted to sit on the couch all day and watch football, because that's basically what they did. They could like, they needed a break. They needed a break. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just guy, it was just guy weekend. The fridge, I never had fridge space because of all of the beer and stuff (laughs) that they had. Like, you could tell they were just binging this whole week and then, you know, had to go back. So that was probably (laughs) the wildest. They were fun. And uh, what's the uh, most romantic place you've served clients? For Well, for Valentine's, I had two couples and they were up in Estes Park. Part, which is a little ski town here in Denver mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or in Colorado. Obviously, it's it's um, skiing, but also known for just the the scenery. Mm-hmm. It's very beautiful up there with the mountains and trees and um, stuff like that. So they had a cabin up on the mountain, and they had like the best view, sunset through the mountains view. Um, you could see all the pine trees. They just kind of like went at a slant. It was just a very, very now, mind you, it was snowing, but that makes it even more beautiful because Mm. just the white and the way that the sun reflects off the mountains and it's like blues and whites and gray. It's just very, it was very beautiful. So I set them up very nice. It came out very nicely. But their view was beautiful. I was jealous. Their view was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but Denver's quite nice. Denver's beautiful. Yeah, I've Denver's I've been there. Beautiful. It's yeah. it's really lovely. But also, it's very vibrant. Uh, I think there was uh, a downtown where there were like lots of cider bars and that is Denver's thing. Denver's thing is like is bar hopping. I yeah. would say I've yeah. never been somewhere where. Our night consisted of going to like <laughs> nine different bars. It was, it was actually very interesting because then the bars they just create these streets of mm-hmm. bars, yeah, and you can just like weave in between. It was actually very interesting. I had never seen anything like that before. But what's the food scene like compared to other places you've lived? You know, a lot of places have certain niches. Like they they have certain dishes that's like, this is the only place you can come. Mm. Like Louisiana, this is the only place you can come to get some authentic gumbo. Right. Like you can only get it in here. Like Denver for me doesn't necessarily have that thing. I mean, if you were to ask a Denver local, I guess they would tell you um, they're green chili is something that they're known for. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah chili. You know, <laughs> sure, if that's what you want to know. I 
I'm not gonna argue with you because you're born and like, raised. I've here. tasted better, <laughs> you know. But you know, hey. You okay, know. okay, I see. So she's obviously not impressed with Colorado's green chili. But uh, what is impressive is that she has created her own product line of sauces and spices, which she will tell us about shortly. In this next segment, we will get to know her personal background, her dreams and ambitions. And also, how does a personal chef take care of herself? I see you've got a product line, though. Can you tell me about that and how it came about? I would always receive questions on how I seasoned Mm -hmm. my meat or... Mm -hmm my vegetables or just my food um, from clients. And um, instead of just always listing a bunch of <laughs> above <laughs> herbs and seasonings every single time, I just decided like, well, what if I just put it in a bottle and I, mm. I gave it to you mm. or sold it to you? Oh, and great. You have it. Mm. Um, so I started, you know, boss sauce and spice line. And when I first um, started it. Uh, I just didn't realize how much goes into it. <laughs> I, yeah, there, it, it goes. It's it, there's a lot that goes into it. So mm. that was a learning curve for me. And so I just recently um, relaunched and um, kind of got a better handle on things because mm-hmm. now I know how I want the product to look. And you know, again, like you said, things are always changing. So it will forever be a changing product. But um, for now. I'm really happy. So I also make sauces, which um, I probably will drop in this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I make my own black cherry barbecue sauce. Wow. Which um, I realized that people don't, are not very fond of because it's not very, uh, you don't usually do cherries with barbecue sauce. So I th- think I found a gold mine when it came, comes to that. Wow. Okay. And and that was by accident. I actually had like leftover black cherries. Um <laughs> I love this. And you know, yeah, I had <laughs> leftover black cherries and I was like, well, you, I I could cook them down and then, you know, I had like the brown sugar and I had, you know, all these other ingredients and I just put them all together and mm. I made this sauce. And then it was my household was just like, oh man, can you make that sauce again? Can you make that sauce again? And then I just started making it, perfecting it. And then, um, which is every time someone would taste it, it was just always like, oh God, this needs to be in the stores. Wow. This needs to be in the stores. So that kind of gave me the green light of like, you know what? I could sell this. Mm. People sell stuff all the time. Perfect. So it's going to be available in the summer. It will be available this summer along with my citrus soy glaze. Okay, nice. And that will be supermarkets or just where you... um... It'll just be on my website. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're working on supermarkets. That's right. So thinking, okay, so where can I order this? You are speaking it into existence and we love that. So, no, but you can order it on my website. So a little bit more about you. Where in the U.S. did you grow up and who are the people that made you? So I was born in Oakland, California, raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, and then moved (laughs) to Georgia. (laughs) And then now I'm here back in Denver. But um, I grew up mostly in Utah. So Mm -hmm. my childhood was in Salt Lake City, Utah. Very good childhood. 
Um, my mom is a single mom, so it was my mom. And then I have two little brothers. Mm-hmm. And then I also have um, a sister mm-hmm. that my mom um, helped raise um, her sister's uh, child. All right. Busy house. Really, <laughs> yes. Busy house. We all, but we, our childhood was good. Always outside. I was a child who wanted to do everything. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to be in karate, but I also wanted to be in ballet, but I also wanted to do <laughs> basketball, but I also, so I was always that type of child. Um, I feel like that was because my mom was always, you know, wanting to keep us active. She was big on education. Mm-hmm. So she always made it, you know, very, very, very important in the house, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, to get an education and to educate yourself. Right. Um, even if that doesn't mean college is for you. Right. You could still educate yourself and you could still, you know, find something, something to do. Yeah. Find something to do. Mm-hmm. So she's always instilled that in us. You know, what do your other siblings do and your mom as well? So my mom works as a she's a, been a medical staffer or mm-hmm. you could say a medical recruiter. And now she's an executive medical recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's done that majority of her life as of really COVID year. Um, she decided to start her own publishing company. Yeah. Um, my mom has always wanted to be, an, be a writer. Mm-hmm. So she wrote two books, started her own publishing company. She also has two podcasts. Oh, wow. Well. So yeah, very accomplished. I have two little brothers. One is 19 and one is 24. Mm-hmm. 24-year-old, his name is D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. Just a very bright, beautiful, pure human that I've ever met. Um, he has autism, mm-hmm. works a full-time job, mm-hmm. is probably one of the most productive human beings I've ever met. I have a little brother, 19. He is this generation's gamer. He's a gamer. Oh, wow. That's what he does. Amazing. <laughs> he yeah. Gamer. He's yeah. going to school for um, graphics art and yeah, graphic yeah. design and stuff. So um, that is that is his calling. I just love how so many opportunities have opened up for this new generation with technology. It's incredible. And I tell him that all the time. It's incredible. So I think his I think he's more leaning towards um, creating. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, playing is it's fine, but I think the fun part would be the creation. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Not being able to create it. So that's kind of where he's at. Mm. So what are your ambitions for yourself uh, and your business? I hope to create a experience. I want to create this ultimate experience when it comes to um, food and to like dining. Mm. I have like this speakeasy project that I'm working on. One of those underground pop-up dinner party oh, cool. yeah. concepts mm. that I would love to get into. I have the spice line, the sauce line. I would love to have a cooking line with apparel and as far and mm-hmm. cooking utensils and, mm-hmm. and stuff. I just want to expand and I want to be able to also give back. Being small business isn't easy. So I would like to you know, have like commissary kitchens, having a commercial kitchen to prepare all your stuff in, mm. you know, having all the equipment that you need that you can't necessarily afford right now. Right. So being able to go to a place and have that provided to launch you 
into um, success, I think I think that would be awesome because mm. that would be that was something that I would love to have. Wonderful. And it'd be affordable, yeah. you know. Mm. Mm. And one last question for you before we wrap things up. How do you take care of yourself? That's a good question. So I am now just learning how to take care of myself more, especially after becoming a parent. I think that gets lost. So I I allow myself the enjoyment of little things. Mm-hmm. So if I want to cuddle up on the couch and watch Netflix and eat, you know, a whole little half pint thing of ice cream, I will. Because mm-hmm. I deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> makes you, know, you happy yes it makes me happy but also working out i've i've gotten back into being act more active mm-hmm. um taking those baths i don't know maybe twice out of the month allowing yeah. yourself to get dressed up doll yourself up and either you can have a date night but i mean take yourself out on a date take sure. yourself out to dinner Mm. My favorite thing is taking myself out to the movies. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> and and the crazy part is I used to look at people like crazy, like going to the movies by yourself. It's crazy. <laughs> so mm. I think just doing, you know, I try to take care of myself for doing things that make me happy and, and not, you know, not punishing myself for wanting to do them by myself. Mm. Yeah. Spending time alone. Good. Spending time alone. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Where can people find you? Where can they follow you? So I have a website, www.chefbellabykitchen.com. Um, I have an IG handle, which is at Chef Bellaby. And then you can email me at chefbellaby at gmail.com. And that's all from Shades and Layers this week. Thank you for listening and for all your positive support. If you'd like to stay in touch in between episodes, please follow me on Instagram. I go by the handle at Shades and Layers Podcast. One word. Until the next time, please do take good care.